We're so glad you guys are with us today and excited about a new year. And I was kind of thinking about, you know, 2017. I was thinking about Christmas. I was thinking about this transition into the new year. And uh, as we kind of worked through the Christmas this past week, I was just thinking, I-, I want you to think for a second about what you asked for for Christmas this past year. What did you ask for? Now, here is what I know is true of me. I don't know if it's true of you. But as I've gotten older, the things I've asked for become more and more lame, right? Like, isn't that the way that it basically works? Like, I was going to share with you what I asked for for Christmas, but it's so bad, I'm embarrassed. So I'm not even going to ask because it's just so weak. It's, it was just the worst, weakest Christmas present you could ever ask for. Now, my wife was gracious, and she got me some other things beside what I asked for because it was so bad and so lame and so weak. But I want you to think about when you were a kid. I mean, we have several kids in the room. You kids, you asked for great things. Remember when you were a kid? The things you would ask for for Christmas, my earliest Christmas gift memory was I wanted a bow and arrow set, okay? I remember unwrapping this Christmas morning. Now, it had the suction cups on it, so, you know, it's all good. I wasn't going to hurt anybody, but that didn't deter me from causing problems almost instantly because as soon as I unwrapped it, I started shooting ornaments off the Christmas tree, right? And my parents were like, why did we give Doug a bow and arrow? This is a horrible idea. But I just remember being so excited about that gift. Then uh, fast forward a little bit, it was all about the G.I. Joe action figures. If you grew up in the 80s, man, it was all about G.I. Joe. We had Duke. I had the Duke. He was like the leader. He was the man. Everybody wanted to be Duke. Then you had his, his nemesis, Cobra Commander, right? And I used to play with these guys, man, for hours and hours. Then there was my, my main man, Ninja Guy, uh, Snake Eyes. He was the best. He was my favorite one. And then, of course, there was his nemesis, which was Storm Shadow. And I would literally spend hours every day playing with these silly toys. I would be with my friends. We would take, like, string and yarn and make elaborate, like, swinging systems and McDonald's cup holders made the best forts. Like you just get a thousand of these and you could build all different levels. It was just so much fun. I just remember being so excited about it. Fast forward to middle school. My big ask for Christmas was a drum set. I remember just like pleading with my parents. I had built a drum set in my room out of various pots and pans and telephone books. Anybody remember telephone books, right? Used to open those things up. I got down through like the J's. I had drummed through all the letters, you know. And so I said, parents, please, please. And they said, no, Doug, we're so sorry. We'd love to get you a drum set. We just can't afford it. My great-grandparents came through. I got the Tama Rockstar. And that picture there is not only my drum set, but all my 80s metal posters behind me that would inspire me to greatness on the drum set. And if that weren't enough, I had uh, a good friendship with Billy Joel's drummer, Liberty DeVito, and he would come to our house on Christmas Day every year. It was so awesome. Him and his family, we would all hang out, and he is the one that set my drum set up, tuned the drum heads, and then christened it and played. I have video of him playing my drum set in my basement, just the coolest thing as a seventh grader. What could be better than that? Uh, High school, my favorite gift, might come as a surprise, but it was a big deal back in the day. Because we were stuck with cassette tapes. I remember my first Discman. Anybody remember the Discman? And you could carry this thing around. You could listen to it. It worked in the car. You could listen to all 10 tracks, right? In the car, shuffle, like bass boost. Do you remember? Like, what is this wizardry? Like, what is all this, right? Oh my gosh, it was just so great. But as we get older, we just stop asking for good stuff. It's just not the same anymore. But what did you ask for for Christmas? Now think about this. If you could ask for anything this coming year, what would it be? Like if you could say, this is what I want 2018 to be about. Just think about that for a second. What would that be? Let me tweak the question a little bit. If you could ask God for anything in 2018, what would it be? Probably some different things. Some of us would say health. 
Some of us would say finances. Some of us would say a house, a car, a relationship. Some of us would say, I just want to do something crazy while well, I, I could point you in the right direction. There is a company out there. They're called Moon Express, and their goal in 2018 is actually to give people rides to the moon. They want to be the first non-astronauts to land on the moon. So there's people going that way. If you have about a billion dollars spare, then, then that's your route. So there's all kinds of crazy things we could ask for, right? But there's three words that I want to encourage you to pray. This coming year. I've never done this. As a pastor or leader, I've never gotten up and said, okay, as we move into this new year, here's what I think we need to be focused on. Here's what I kind of think should be a theme for us. But that's what I want to do today. As I was kind of praying about what to talk about today, I felt God just impress on my heart a three-word prayer that I think if we would all pray together, if a few hundred of us would pray this prayer consistently and get in the habit of asking God to do this, we just might see some really amazing things happen. You see, I think these three words are really, really powerful. I think that they could change a lot in our lives, in our church, and in our community. I think that they have tremendous power if we would just say, okay, we're going to commit to praying this in 2018. The three words I want to ask you to pray, I want you to, to look to God, and I want you to pray, move in power. God, in 2018, would you move in power? In my life, in our church, and in our community. Imagine if several hundred of us every day were seeking God for him to move in power, for him to show up in such powerful, amazing ways that it would just basically be like something and nothing we've ever seen before. What a powerful thing could happen. You see, I think sometimes we, we just stop asking for the big things when it comes to God, you know? Like we, we stop asking him to move powerfully in our lives. We stop asking him to, to show up. And I think there's reasons for that. Some of us, if we're honest, we're just kind of distracted. We're not necessarily doing anything bad or far from God. We're just kind of distracted, so we haven't really asked him lately, God, move powerfully in my life. It's kind of like we've prayed some of the safe prayers, you know? Like, God, help me to get what I need. That's okay. God, uh, just come through for a loved one or whatever. That's, that's fine. But God, would you move in power? Do something big, God. Do something huge. I want to be like a little kid again and dream big almost, you know? It's Christmas morning. What am I hoping for? What am I expecting, right? Remember that anticipation you would have sometimes as a kid? Man, imagine that carrying over toward what God could do this coming year. I think sometimes we just get distracted. Some of us might be trying to protect ourselves. What do I mean by that? Some of us have asked God for something big in the past. And it maybe didn't go the way that we wanted. And we're protecting ourselves from maybe some disappointment that way. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. I don't know. Maybe that's why we're not asking God to do more in our lives. Maybe there are situations in our lives that just sort of seem too hopeless. Is there anybody in the room today? It's like, hey, I'd love to pray and ask God to move in power in this situation or in that one. But it just seems like this is just simply too big. I just remind you today. I hope today you're encouraged that there's nothing too big for God. Some of us here in the room, maybe we're just relying on ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like, well, I could ask God to do it, but maybe I should just try to do it. Maybe I should just try to, to you know, handle this or do that. I think, you know, one of the things that's hardest in life is, like, delegating, is asking for help, is leaning on other people, you know? And sometimes we struggle with that when it comes to God as well. I'm all for us doing everything we can in our own strength to, to get jobs done. I, I mean, as a church leader, man, I love to like think creatively and do fun stuff. I love our Christmas specials. I love, like last week when they were playing Oh Holy Night at the end of the service, I was just waiting for the second coming, like the Lord to return at that moment because it was just so wonderful. It was just so perfect. Like, Noah, keep playing the lead, baby. It was just like so awesome. It was incredible. What a moment, right? I love all that. 
I love all the stuff we can do. But at the end of the day, doesn't it get to the point where we need more than that? Where we begin to say, God, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do all I can. I'm going to use my resources. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the giftings that you've given us. I'm thankful for all that you've done. But God, at the end of the day, we need you to move in power. Here's what I know. We can have the greatest band in the world, the greatest kids ministry in the world. We can continue to pray and seek God for engaging message series. We can try to, you know, entertain. We can do all that. And there's nothing wrong with all that. But if God were to move in power in 2018, that's all we would need. And that's my heart. I think that's God's heart for this time and for this season, for our church, for our lives, and for our community. Think about it. We are desperate for God. To move powerfully. You know why? Because we're so limited, right? I'm not trying to depress you on New Year's Eve, but we are really, really, really small. There is a lot we can't do. Do you know anybody who's sick? I can't heal people who are sick. My wife's unfortunately not well enough to be here today. I can't heal her. I need God to touch my wife. I don't know about you guys. You know someone who's maybe just sort of need of great provision. Maybe it's you. Somebody at the first service was like, yes, me, right there. Right? Like, some of us, we just need help financially right now. Well, man, when God moves in power, he provides. Some of us are looking for that next step. All right, I'm done with school. What's next? Or, I'm, you know, I'm graduating this season, or I'm done with this phase of my job, or looking for a relationship still. Or I mean, there's so many phases of different aspects of our lives, trying to figure out where to go, when to move, do we stay, do we go south, do we go west, what what do we do, can we afford Long Island, I mean, all these questions, God, lead me, we need God to move in power, do you know anybody who needs Jesus, do you know anybody needs a savior, a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, a family member, you and I, we can't save them, no, we need God to move in power, I heard somebody once who was a professor at a college took all of his students to a cemetery and he said I want you to preach to these graves like what I want you to preach the gospel to these tombstones like why would you tell us to do that he said because you are as powerless to save these people and bring them back from the dead as you are powerless to rescue any person's heart God has to do that we need to ask God to move in power here we are a new location right How awesome, a new opportunity, more room, more parking, new people driving by. Last Sunday after the service was over, I ran out to the front and I picked up that big 4x10 A-frame sign that you all drove past today and I kind of just hoisted it up on my back and I look across and there are the neighbors looking at me. I'm like, I'm not stealing this, right? Who wants a big 4x10 sign that says Living Word Church anyway, right? Steal something better if you're going to, right? And so, not that I would, but I have this big sign hoisted up on my back and I just, I see these people and I kind of make eye contact with them and I just wave and they wave back. I'm like, all right. This is a cool new opportunity, a new neighborhood to be a blessing and steal signs from. It's awesome, right? And so we have this awesome new opportunity as a church. But we need God to move in power. We need God to show up. We need him to do the things we just simply can't do ourselves, right? And so have you realized your desperation for this lately? I'm telling you, if you walked in with a problem today, the answer is probably within God's grasp, right? Every single thing, every issue we walked in with today, every person we care for that's going through something difficult, every situation our church could go through, and everybody out there in the community that needs a Savior, God is the answer for all of it. And so we so badly need him to move in power. Today I want to look at a story in the Bible 
that demonstrates people doing this and then God's response so powerfully. It's so awesome. And so we're going to look in Acts chapter 4 to start. We're going to kind of spill over into 5 and then the beginning of 6. I'm going to kind of summarize some of it and kind of move us through this. But Peter and John were Jesus' followers, and they had seen Jesus do all these incredible things. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, first off, let me say thank you for coming. Thank you for being here and trying us out today. And maybe part of your struggle with God is that you haven't seen him really show up in power. Maybe you're like, I would love to believe in a God, but I would like to see him make a difference in my life. And what if he did? What if he did show up? What if he did answer a prayer? What if he did actually make a difference in your life? That's what I hope to steer you toward today. But, but I also want to catch your attention with this. John and Peter were Jesus' really great friends. They were kind of like on the inner, in the inner circle of his friend, friend group there, followed him, and they saw him put on a cross, put in a grave, and then they claimed they saw him raised back from the dead. Now you might say, well, this is where you lose me, Doug. Here is why I hope not to lose you today. Because John and Peter, as we're going to see in the story today, are willing to endure some pretty incredible things. And they won't stop saying Jesus is alive. I want you to just keep that in mind as we work through the story here today. These two guys will not stop saying they've seen Jesus alive no matter what happens to them. Okay? So we find John and Peter in a spot where they need God desperately. And basically what happens is Peter and John are out one day and they're talking about Jesus being alive and they actually see a man who's crippled and they pray for him and God heals him. And so this crowd gathers around and they begin to preach and tell people, Jesus is alive, here is proof, here is evidence that he has shown up. Look how God has done this powerful, amazing miracle and everybody's blown away. But eventually some people, some of their Jewish religious leaders of the day, arrest Peter and John, tell him, you got to stop all this Jesus stuff. They arrest him. Eventually, they release him. They release them, but they say, stop preaching about Jesus. And that's where we pick up the story. In Acts 4.23, it says this. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So they went back and said, hey, guys, we were out preaching. God did this amazing miracle, but then we got arrested. They told us to stop talking about Jesus. And here's where we have to stop for a second and say, what are they going to do now? Like, what's their strategy going to be? Are they going to let this sort of be a distraction to them? Are they going to maybe say, wow, this is a really big deal. We should just back off. Are they going to maybe rely on themselves and start an uprising and throw over the religious system of that day? Like, what's their strategy going to be? It's beautiful. Look at this. This is what we need to do. Acts 4, 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So they're in this crisis What do they do? Instead of looking to themselves, instead of being scared away, instead of running, instead of coming up with their own plan and strategizing and coming up with some kind of way to do things on their own, they said, no, 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 we've got to seek God. We've got to pray and cry out to God because they realize how small they were and how big God is. Is that where you are today? Can you realize today how small you and I are, but how big God is, how weak we are, yet how powerful God is, how limited we are, yet how limitless God is? is. Look look what they prayed. This is awesome. Acts 4. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And so they just start right out. God, you are big enough to create everything I'm looking at. So a few weeks ago, I showed you a picture of me waking up. It wasn't a picture of me waking up. That would have been creepy. It was a picture of me awake looking out at the sunrise in the morning on Sunday morning, day after it had snowed. I mean, a lot like this morning. 
And I woke up again, same deal. I'm not going to show you another picture because you're going to be tired of me taking pictures out my windows, right? But this gorgeous, beautiful, red sky, snow everywhere. I mean, that's the God that these people are praying to. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need that reminder that God is still in control. So I'm driving here on the way this morning, and I'm knowing Kelly's not feeling great. I didn't know how badly she felt until I had already gotten here. And I'm driving, and I just look up at the sky, and I just see this beautiful sunrise, and I'm like, all right, you got this. It's okay. You're still God. Sun rose this morning. It's all still in your hands. And that's what these people are doing here. They're just starting out. Okay, God, we're in trouble, but you are the sovereign Lord, man. You created everything. And that's their starting point. And then, as they pray a little bit more, down in verse 27, it says this, Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. So they, they do a little history lesson with God here in their prayer. They say, God, you remember, right, what they did to Jesus? You remember Pontius Pilate? They got together and they conspired this plan. And they eventually crucified him. Well, now they're threatening us, God. And then it says this in verse 28. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, that's an interesting verse, and that could be a whole message on its own. But in case you're wondering if God was still in control even when Jesus was on the cross, the answer is yes. Because that's what this verse just told us. That they did exactly what the plan was. But look at verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Prayer request number one that they pray for in the midst of their crisis was God give us boldness. Move in power by giving us boldness. I love that because some of us in this room really want to see God move in power in our lives, in our neighborhoods, and in this community, but we are scared. We're scared. I get it, guys. I'm a pastor. I get scared sometimes to share my faith. I get scared sometimes to invite people to church, and I love the fact that they prayed that God would move in power by giving them boldness. You know why that encourages me? Because it means they were probably scared too. You don't ask for something that you already have, right? You ask for something that you need. You ask for something that you don't have. And these guys saw God. They said, God, give us boldness. That means there was something on the inside of them that felt afraid. And so they said, God, move in power by giving us boldness. And then they go on. Verse 30, I love this verse. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Prayer request number two in the midst of their crisis was, God, we need you to show up. We need you to move in power by healing people and by doing signs and wonders, things that just prove you are with us and you are here, and Jesus, that you are alive and well. They knew if anything was going to happen there in that first century, God was going to have to move in power. I'm here to tell you today, if God's going to do anything in our century, if God's going to do anything here in 2018, in this coming year, he's going to have to move in power. He's going to have to change people's hearts. He's going to have to show up. He's going to have to heal and provide and speak and lead and direct. We so badly, badly need him. The question is, when we face our crisis, are we asking him to move in power? Are we making that the priority? So a few weeks ago, I was putting this message together, and I was so busy. It was before Christmas. I had so much to do, presents to wrap, all kinds of stuff for church to do, and I was feeling really stressed out. And the, day I normally, the way I normally start my work day is I get to the office, which I don't even have one anymore because here we are, and so I seek God. That's the way we start. Just start to pray. Just begin the day by just saying, God, 
We need you. I begin to pray for you guys. I pray about the message. Speak to me. Show me what you want to say and all that kind of stuff. But I was so busy during this time that I skipped that. And I got right into the message. And here I am writing a message about not relying on yourself and making sure you seek God and asking him to show up and move in power. And I'm saying to myself, the pastor isn't even living this. Why is anybody else going to, right? And so I put the computer down. And I got up. I just began to walk around and say, God, we need you so badly. God, if anything's going to change, we need you. I could get up there and have all the beautiful illustrations that probably aren't here now because I didn't have time because instead I prayed because I knew I had to get up here without the pretty illustrations and having spent that time with God because he's going to change your heart and my heart today, right? Not me. And so we so badly need God to move in power. This needs to become our go-to. This needs to become our pattern that more and more we're seeking him to show up and do the impossible. And so the apostles cry out to God, to move in power, boldness, God, heal, show up, do signs and wonders. And then it says this in verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So God responds in power, literally answers their prayer immediately. The place shakes, right? Which probably shouldn't happen here since we're renting this, okay? (laughs) Might get in some trouble if the place shakes and everything falls apart, right? Then they begin to speak boldly. And so God has shown up. Then it says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Listen to this, you ready? With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in all. And so they go to God, God move in power, boldness, heal, show up, signs and wonders. What does God do? He shows up and gives them exactly what They asked for. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, let's just pause for a minute because that verse just told us that after being in prison and after being told not to preach about the gospel anymore, they went back and they prayed and they cried out to God and they went out and continued preaching. Can I ask you a question? If Jesus didn't really come back from the dead, why were these guys willing to suffer for it? If Jesus wasn't actually alive, if Peter and John were making all this up, then why are they willing to go back out there after being in prison and continue talking? like Jesus is alive. But I love that they have sought God and he's shown up. Could God do the same for you and me as we seek him? We're going to jump ahead to Acts 5, 14. It says this. It says, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. What an amazing way that God showed up in power. More and more people coming to know Jesus. And you know what? The greatest miracle is when that happens. Like, We could pray for somebody who's blind and their eyes be open. That would be awesome. It's a greater miracle when someone comes to know Jesus who didn't know him. And I just love that that's what they begin to experience. Can I ask you a question? I want you to think about next year at this time, the end of 2018. Who do you hope is sitting in the seat next to you at church? Who do you hope that doesn't believe in God right now will be sitting right next to you, strong in God, close to Jesus? Who from your job, who from your school, who from your neighborhood or your family do you hope is right next to you because God has shown up, because he's moved in power and he's opened their eyes to who he is. See, that's the potential that we have. That's what could happen if we pray, God, move in power. We need you to show up. Let me just summarize a few verses for you. In the verses that follow, God continues to do some amazing things, but some of the Jewish leaders then again arrest the apostles again. During the night, as they're in jail, an angel comes and opens up the door, lets Peter and John out, and they go right back out and start preaching again. 
The leaders who put them in jail didn't even realize that they had escaped. Check this out in, in uh, Acts 5.22. It says, but on arriving at the jail, so these guys went to check on Peter and John, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked, the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came in and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. Talk about being frustrated. They hadn't even realized they'd lost their prisoners, and they were right back out there preaching again, which again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, why are these guys willing to go out again after being imprisoned again? It's because they were convinced Jesus was alive. But think about the miracle of the angel opening the door. Think about the boldness they received to go back out and keep preaching. God is moving in power. God's responding. God's answering their prayer. They get arrested again. They're standing before the leaders. The leaders tell them, you have to stop preaching. And look what Acts 5.29 says. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. Like, no. Jesus is alive. This is a powerful God we serve, creator of heaven and earth, the sovereign Lord, our Savior, the one who's rescued us. We are going to obey God rather than men. Which, by the way, is an answer to prayer because they ask for boldness. And here they are facing potential execution staying bold. Do you need boldness this year? Is that the way you need God to move in power in your life, that he would give you the grace and the strength to share your faith, to invite people to church, to to pray for somebody who needs the hope of God? How do you need him to move in power in your life? So they continue to demand that Jesus is alive, and they even get a little personal and say, you know what, you guys put him on the cross. You guys crucified him, but he's alive, and we're eyewitnesses, and this infuriated them. Look what it says in Acts 5.33. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. And then comes one of my favorite parts of this story. A man named Gamaliel stands up, one of the leaders. He stands up, and he says, you know what, guys? Let's think about this. You see, a while back, there was so-and-so, this, this leader rose up in the community. He, he got a whole following coming after him. But eventually, it just all fell apart. Everybody realized there was really nothing to that. And then another leader rose up, and people started to follow him, and, and they started to think that maybe he had something new, but that kind of fell apart eventually. And you know what? I, I think we need to really think about this. And then he says this in verse 38. He says, Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail, like all the other guys they had already seen. But then he says this in 39. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Now, I don't know how you read the Bible. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I picture it. And it's like visual. And I'm like seeing the characters. And as long as I can remember, I have pictured Gamaliel to look like Sean Connery from The Rock. I don't know why. I just, that's who I see when I see this. I know some of you in the room don't even know who that is. He hasn't been making movies in a while lately, right? But that's always who I see. And I just kind of like imagine the scene, you know, him just standing up like, leave the Ishmael alone, you know. <laughs> you will only find yourselves fighting against God, you know. Like you just, it's powerful, right? But I just love that he makes that true statement. He goes, look, you can try all you want, but if God is on their side, you're not going to get anywhere. And I love 
that God has delivered, God has come through, God has continued to give them the boldness they need and continued to move in power. And I love the next part of verse 40 says this, his speech persuaded them. Of course it did. Sean Connery would convince you too. (laughs) No doubt. So they're set free. And they continue to go out and they continue to preach and they continue to see amazing things happen. We so badly need to see amazing things happen. We so badly need to see God do the things that he can do. We'll continue to work hard, right? We'll continue to pray that this place is always an exciting place with a great kids ministry and, and the band will do their thing and we'll continue to pray and ask God and seek God that you know every week we'll, we'll be able to come up here and, and encourage your heart with his word. We're going to pray for all that. We're going to continue to do programs and all this and all that. That's great, but man, we so badly need God. In your personal lives, you need God. You know, I've seen, I don't even know how many doctors in the last year. I'm thankful for doctors. God used them to help save Kelly's life in February. I, I'm so grateful for doctors. I'm, I'm so thankful that we can continue to be involved with them. But after seeing who knows how many, dozens and dozens and dozens, I, I need God to heal my wife. What do you need God to do? Now, it doesn't always come when we want. It doesn't always come how we want. Right? If that was true, my wife would be sitting in the front row today, healthy and good. But we've got to continue to say, God, we need you. These, these three little words in our lives, we need you. We need you to provide, God. We need you to speak and lead us and direct us, God. We need you to heal this relationship, Lord. And in our church, God, we need you to keep us unified and, and keep vision and, and stay strong about who you've called us to be and be a light in this community. God, in this community, we need you to show up. We need you to, man, these, these are hearts that need to be brought to life in you. God, show them who you are. We can save nobody. God, all things are possible. Those three little words. And so my request to you is that we would come together this year and we would pray those words every day. That we would get in the habit of asking God to move in power. And so our prayer for 2018 is that God will move in power. Will you pray that? Will you get into the habit of praying that? Will you, maybe even, though we can't come together every day and seek God, maybe set a reminder, what what if we all had our phone remind us at like noon every day? And a few hundred of us every day were praying those three little words. And maybe you're in the middle of teaching a class at school and you're a teacher and you're going to, all right, look down at your phone and where you fill it in your pocket. Okay, move in power. I was thinking before, on Sundays, it's going to go off for me right about in the middle of my message. And I'm just going to have to kind of go, okay, move in power, Lord, and keep rolling, right? So it doesn't have to be this long, huge prayer time that has to happen at noon every day. But you're driving to work, you're out on the ball field, wherever you are, just a quick, Lord, move in power. Yes, God, let that be the cry of our heart this year. Let that be what we see you do. Because we so desperately need you. Imagine the potential boldness in our lives, healing for loved ones, salvation of people in our offices, in the schools we go to, in our neighborhoods. Imagine the provision God might bring. Imagine the relationships that he might heal. Imagine the closeness we might experience as we get nearer to him. We so desperately need God to move in power. And so will you pray that daily in 2018? Will you ask Jesus to show up like never before 
We are desperate for him. Maybe we don't all feel that all the time, but we are desperate for him. Every single one of our lives would change if at the end of this year he had shown up. Even if it was just one little area of our life. Maybe we'd ask for ten things and maybe he shows up in one or, or five or seven or eight of them and we look back and we go, wow, look what God has done. And we keep fighting on the ones we haven't seen yet. We keep trusting him. We keep surrendering to his will. And if some of this scares you, I just want to encourage you. I, I don't know what your experiences have been. Maybe some of us have had bad experiences with this kind of thing or maybe you've seen some really weird things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about genuine encounters with a God who loves us, a God who we can trust, and a God who knows what to give us and when to give it. So if you're a follower of Jesus in 2018, will you ask that God would move in power? If you're not a follower of Jesus, can I just remind you again of all these guys were willing to go through saying Jesus was alive. In prison, out of prison. In prison, beaten, out of prison. In prison, out of prison. Going back out, preaching over and over again. Many of them would give their lives saying they'd seen a risen Savior. And so today, if you want to put your trust in Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. But I hope you're encouraged today. I hope there's some of that childlike excitement back in your heart for what God could do in 2018. Because our prayer in 2018 is God, move in power. Let's pray together. God, we love you and we need you. We long to be closer to you and there's so many broken pieces in so many of our lives, we just simply don't have the power to put back together ourselves. And so we look to you and we ask that you'll do it, God. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you desire to be close to us. And I just pray, God, that our hearts are brought kind of back to life today in that, God, that maybe some of the distractedness or maybe some of our fear about approaching you in this way would just be pushed to the side, God, that you would remove those barriers, maybe some self-reliance, that, God, you would show up in our lives, in our church, and in our community in the other churches on Long Island, God, in the other ministries, Lord, that are also longing to see you show up, God, that you would do that very thing. So help us. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just pray for a minute about this? Would you maybe take out your phone right now, set a reminder, even if it's not 12, maybe that's not a good time for you, but set a little reminder to pray this daily. Move in power. Three little words, God, move in power. If you're not a follower of Jesus, and you want to put your trust in him today, I would just encourage you to quietly pray something like this. It's just between you and God. He's the one who saves you. Maybe just say something like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying in my place, for carrying my sin and my shame. Forgive me for my sin, God. Jesus, show me how real you are. Convince me, Lord, that you are alive. And now I ask you to move in power.